Tonight, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about discipling converts. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to, to go into all the world to teach every person how to be saved, and then help them get baptized after they're saved, and then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. When a Christian and when a church gets excited about the Great Commission, it accompanies the presence of God upon her life. And I want to have that. I want to have that personally. I want to have it corporately as a church family. And learning to win and disciple converts, I believe, is, the, is, is the God's one of his major goals in our life. The Bible says, He that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Whenever we go soul winning and we talk to folks about Christ, we pray that God will give us a chance and we get to talk to them about Christ, it brings a great joy to your heart. But John, in 3 John verse 4 said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I don't think John was ever married. I don't think he had any biological children. I think he was probably single his whole life. That's historical uh, data, not necessarily biblical data. But I believe he had led people to Christ, and when they walked in the Lord, it brought him. He said, I don't have the greater joy. That's one of the greatest joys, is to see people that, that you have seen grow in the Lord and continue on in the work of the Lord. And that should be the goal of every Christian. We want that here at First Baptist Church, but I think every Christian would want. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. My brother's here today, and I'm so thankful he's with us. But years ago, my dad came to know Christ through an outreach of a Sunday school teacher who reached him and his little brother Douglas for the Lord in a Sunday school class. I am so grateful. I can't wait to meet that man one day in heaven. My uncle told me he's just a little fella, but he really got a passion to tell young boys. Uh, and he, his, teach, his pastor gave him a little room and said, you can have as many junior boys as you can fit in there. And he went out, he said, I'm not satisfied with two or three. He wanted to have a lot of them. And I'm so glad he reached my dad and my, my uncle Doug. And they both served the Lord for their whole life. And, of course, he and I are, uh, are beneficiaries of having a dad like that. I remember years ago, learning how to lead someone to Christ. Even before I came to Hiles Anderson College, I had been taught how to do that. And, and my dad was a soul winner. Our dad was a soul winner. But when I came to Hiles Anderson, I got taught more so and, and better uh, ways in which to explain the gospel to people. But one thing I missed is how to help people grow systematically after they got saved. I knew how to help them get saved. I oftentimes would take them to church and explain to them they need to get baptized, and many people did. But after that, I was a little bit crippled. I didn't know what to help them do after that. I would try to get them to church. I would try to get them to my Sunday school class. But I found that they were missing some of the basic elements of the Christian faith just by listening to my pastor. My pastor was a good preacher. All my pastors were a good preacher. Um, they, God helped them. But sometimes they would be focusing and they'd be preaching through the book of Esther like I did this summer. Or they'd be preaching through the book of Proverbs, which is helpful. But they wouldn't understand what does salvation mean and what does it mean to, to have eternal security and some of the basic things. Who is the Holy Spirit? How does he revolve in my life? What about the local church? And so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to share that with people. I remember years ago, I, I, uh, I got moved to work at a Christian school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Linda and I moved there, and we had just one son at the time, and three more of our kids were born uh, there. And, um, 
and, and I, was, I was teaching school. The pastor also gave me a classroom. He said, John, we should take that classroom on the second floor, and uh, you've been leading some people to Christ. Get them to go to your Sunday school class. And so I did. I, I started trying to get, Linda and I would go visit. We'd tell people about Christ. We'd help them. Some of them got baptized. Some of them didn't. We started having Sunday school activities and, and teaching lessons. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I would spend my Saturdays, and I'd sometimes spend one night a week out talking to people about the Lord and trying to get them to come to Sunday school and grow in the Lord. But I was finding myself frustrated. But I was especially frustrated one Saturday morning when I went to visit my class, and I knocked on the door uh, in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I, ba- I knocked on the door of my friend, Bernard, and his precious wife, Laura. They became great friends. He got saved before I met him, but he was not a close to the Lord, and we just became friends, and, and he was a lawyer. He had finished his law school at LSU at Louisiana, Louisiana State University. He had went ahead and became an attorney with Lucius Miller and Hampton and Associates, and, but he was a good guy. He loved the Dallas Cowboys, and he loved to fish, and he loved sports, and any time. Just they became great friends to Linda and I. But I couldn't, they, they just, it just seemed like they had a hard time coming to church on a Sunday night. They didn't see the importance of Sunday night. Didn't see the importance of a midweek service. They had a beautiful daughter of mercy. She was smart as a whip. And I would try to get them to come to the kids' program, and they just didn't really want to do it. But uh, they would come most Sundays to Sunday school, unless the Dallas Cowboys were playing the early game on, uh, on Sunday, or if there was a family reunion or a fishing trip he'd prefer to go on. But he would come, and uh, they were always really good. But I remember knocking on their door one Saturday. I knocked on the door, and um, I heard my friend Bernard say to his wife, if that's Brother John, tell him we'll be there on Sunday. And so I heard him say it, then, but Laura opened the door. She said, hey, Brother John, that's a real southern way to say, uh, hey, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and she said, hey, Brother John, we'll be there on Sunday, we'll be there tomorrow. Do you want us to bring the donuts to the class? And I said, uh, no, that's okay, but I'll see you tomorrow. I'm glad you guys are going to come. But when I got in my car, and I remember getting into my little car, my little uh, Ford uh, probe, and I sit in that car, and I thought to myself, what am I doing? Am I just aggravating people? Am I just going here trying to... I, what's the difference between me and Linda and Laura and Bernard? Why do I want to go to church? I don't go to church because I have to. I go to church because I like it. I love the Lord. I want to be. It's not, an, it's not something I have to pick and choose. It's something, and it's not so much the culture I was raised in. I wanted to be faithful to God. I was going to see them in a few days. And I don't understand why they don't think it's important. Why is it that, that a ball game or anything could be more important or, or, you know, giving to the Lord faithfully, things of that nature. So it was really, it was heavy on me. And I remember that week, I was having a hard time. When I finished teaching school, I would walk home. And I had to walk through this football field. And if you watched me in the football field, if there was a camera on me, I didn't go right to the football field, go down to the ditch and over the, to my neighborhood where I lived. I, I would walk around that football field, and if you got a camera, you would see something like this. You know? You know, I was pouring out my complaint to the Lord. Lord, what's going on? Teach me something. I'm missing something. There's a disconnect in my heart. About two weeks later, our pastor said, uh, John... Brother Warren, our youth pastor, is going to go start a church. His office is empty. I've got a new man coming in. Would you be willing to clean the office and get it ready for me, for him? 
I said, Pastor, sure, whatever you want, I'll do it. And I, I uh, took an afternoon, one afternoon, and I started vacuuming and scrubbing out any stains in the carpet and doing the pledge on the, on the desk and organizing the paper clips and whatever else was there and cleaning out things, emptying the garbage can, wiping down the, the, the window seal. And I opened up the closet. When I opened up the closet, I found uh, books. Not these books. These are ones we've helped to put together, but they were like this. It just said, it said salvation on it. And it was just kind of paper clipped, not paper clipped, but stapled together. It was plain Jane, but it was, I saw salvation, eternal security, the word of God, local church, prayer, the Holy Spirit, my job, my employer, other Christians, the judgment seat of Christ. And I looked at those papers. I said, you know what? Uh, and it, like the Holy Spirit of God said, John, use this with Bernard. And I, I finished my job, and I went over to the pastor's office with a stack of these things, and I said, Pastor, do you, um, would you, I'm thinking about, I, sa- I found these in Warren's office. Would you be okay if I took these and asked Bernard if he would go through this Bible study with me? And here's what he told me. He said, no, John, that's a great idea. He said, we bought those discipleship lessons so that, um, so that we would try that, but it just never really caught on in our church. But that would be a great idea. Once you get a hold of an art and ask him, that's a great idea, do it. And, you know, I, I remember hearing that story. And the reason it didn't catch on in our church is because it's a lot of hard work. How many of you precious girls have had a baby? You've had a baby sometime in your life. All right. You know what that's like, right? It's not a walk in the park, right? But it's easier to have a baby than it is to raise one. And it's easier to see someone saved than it is to help that person go through the stages of maturation. And anyway, the, my passion, no, please do that. And I remember being afraid, but I went to Bernard. I said, Bernard, I found these Bible studies, and I want someone to study the Bible with me. Would you be willing to study these lessons? He said, well, what are you, what are you thinking? I said, well, I'm thinking like maybe like every week we would just sit down and we'd go through a lesson. And I'd read it, you'd read it, we'd study, we'd look in the Bible, and I'd answer my questions, you'd answer your questions. I'd memorize verses, you'd memorize verses. He said, do you want to do it? I said, I'd like to do it if you're willing to. And he goes, you know, I'm done with law school, and I think I can do it. I said, when do you want to do it? I said, well, i got to be at school at 745 to teach school. How about uh, like 630 to 730 on, on, in the morning over at the uh, Burger King on Segan Lane and I-10 there? He said, oh, okay, I'll do it. And he started coming. I'll never forget that we, he liked it, I liked it. And while I was teaching him things, I had a Bible college degree on my wall. But if you had me to, to tell you from heart three verses on eternal security, I would have struggled. Even though I heard more life-changing message, I didn't even know who I was. <laughs> but I, I, heard, I, I heard a lot of, I heard hundreds and thousands of messages, but I couldn't probably give you three verses on eternal security because I never used those muscles. I just listened, but I never used them. But I started giving the, the lesson to him, and I was learning while I was teaching him and while we were going through it together. About five or six weeks into our study, I was calling a Sunday school class on a Saturday night. I was sitting at the breakfast bar of our, of our house, and had the, back then we didn't have cell phones, just had the one that came out of the wall, and I was just dialing each of these folks, and I called him. I said, hey, Bernard, Laura, are you guys be coming to Sunday school tomorrow? He said, John, we're going to be coming. But you do us a favor. Stop calling us every Saturday night. He said, you won't have to call us anymore. 
He said, I'm going to tape the early football game. I'll be at church. It'll be a priority for us. You know, John, I think we need to come back on Sunday night. and We need to put Marcy in that class on Wednesday. I was like, praise the Lord. He said, we're going to start coming more faithfully. We need to do this. This is... We're going to see Jesus soon, and we need to give our life to do the right thing. We need to get some. We need to grow a little bit more. And then he said something that really shook me up. He said, "He said, John, he said, you got anybody you want me to follow? You're always working that Sunday school class. Why don't you give me two or three people? We can. We'll call them for you. We'll aggravate them like you've aggravated us. You know. <laughs> we want to help you. We need to help you with your class." I said, you want some names to call? Yeah, just pick out three or four names. We'll, we'll follow up. We'll, we'll take, bake them a pie or tell them we got your class or do something. We want to help you. I said, really? Boy, the next, uh, the next uh, of course, 12 weeks of our discipleship lessons, I was just couldn't believe how much he grew. And uh, the staff got together, and they, they contacted him and asked him to do a little video. And I want you to meet my friend Bernard Hampton. And uh, he shares about five minutes of his testimony from his view of, of discipleship. Let's watch it, can we? Hello, I'm Bernard Hampton, and I wanted to thank uh, Pastor Wilkerson and the church for giving me this opportunity to uh, share my, my testimony about discipleship. I, uh, I, my wife and I were married uh, way back in the early 90s, and uh, the first church we joined at that time was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm recording this in Denham Springs, Louisiana, which is very close to Baton Rouge. But at that time, we joined a church in Baton Rouge, and uh, we started to get involved a little bit and joined a Sunday school class. And one of our first Sunday school teachers in the adult Sunday school class we were a part of was Pastor John Wilkerson. And uh, he played a big part in our life back in those days. He was a big encouragement to us. I had been saved uh, as a young person and um, for many years had known Christ as my Savior but really had lived somewhat of a nominal Christian life, not really serving the way I should, not really growing the way I should. And at that time, when I was involved in church, I, I, I got to meet several of the men there. And you would get asked questions. Men ask questions like this all the time, but different men in church would ask me, how's your job going? Um, how's your family doing? Uh, how's your favorite sports team doing? How's the weather? Things like that. But Pastor Wilkerson, which is a little different, he would always make a point to ask me uh, a little more seriously, how's your walk with the Lord? And uh, that was very convicting to me because I knew my walk with the Lord at that time really wasn't where it should be. And uh, one of the things he proposed to do to help me with that was he asked me if I would get involved in discipleship lessons with him. He had, I think at that time, 16 little paperback books or manuals uh, and each one covered a different topic in the Christian life. One of them was about salvation, obviously. There was one on eternal security. Um, some of them were about how to pray, what it meant to study the Bible, other practical things like tithes and offerings, um, what it meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, what, he what he suggested to me or asked me if I would do was meet with him once a week. And he would give me one of these little booklets, and over the week I was supposed to study it, answer the questions in it, and uh, memorize Bible verses. And then we would get up very early, a little too early for me if I'm being honest, but I'm thankful now that it happened. But he would want to meet early, early in the morning at a local McDonald's or a local restaurant. And then I would go over those verses, show him that I'd memorized them. Uh, answer, he would answer any questions I had about some of the Bible verses that were covered or some of the doctrine. And uh, we began to do that. And we did it once a week, I believe for 16 weeks, if I remember correctly. 
And it was just such a big encouragement to me. When I started out, I wasn't too sure about it. Uh, but the more I did it, the more I prayed about it, the more I studied the Bible, the more excited I got to be about it. And I really learned some things about the Christian life I probably should have learned when I first got saved. Uh, being Getting saved, knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior is the greatest thing that can happen to you in your life. Uh, but new Christians need to grow. They don't need to stay newborn Christians for a long periods of time. And uh, I think the discipleship lessons and being involved in discipleship is a key part of growing in your Christian life and in your walk with the Lord. And so not only was Pastor Wilkerson an encouragement to me at that time, but his wife, Linda, was a big encouragement to my wife, to our family. Uh, they helped us in a lot of different ways as we were kind of getting on our feet as a married couple. And I'm always thankful for that period of time that the Lord used Pastor Wilkerson to bring him into our lives and encourage us in that way. Now, in addition to studying these booklets and these lessons, that was probably the biggest part of it, but something else he did that really helped me a lot. And I think this is also part of discipleship. I think discipleship is more than just studying a lesson per week. He would also take me along with him on um, visits that he would make as, a, as an assistant pastor of the church. Sometimes we would go visit someone in the hospital. Sometimes we would visit somebody who'd been out of church for a while. Sometimes we would visit a, a person who wasn't a Christian and he would uh, take me on a soul winning visit and lead them to a, the Lord. I wasn't very much help on these visits, obviously. I would mostly observe and learn. But man, what an encouragement that was to me. That was a great help to me. And I learned to do ministry and get more involved in church ministry through Pastor Wilkerson's encouragement. And now, you know, I'm no great Christian today. I can't I can't boast of any great things, but the Lord has been very good to me and he's helped me. Now, coming up this December, my wife and I will have been married for 31 years. We have four daughters and one granddaughter. And over the years, I've been blessed to now be able to teach a Sunday school class myself. I teach a married couples class and have done that for several years. I've also been ordained as a deacon in the Baptist church where my wife and I serve. Um, also been able to lead other people to the Lord myself, to God's glory, and also been able to disciple new believers from time to time myself. And I always look back at that time in my life and I see those discipleship lessons and that discipleship ministry that John Wilkerson did for me is a big turning point in my life to really help me to grow in Christ and to get me started on the right path of, of, of knowing Jesus more and loving God more. And I'll be eternally grateful for that. I hope this testimony is somewhat encouraging to you and I, I'm thankful that you're interested in discipleship and I wish I could be there at the discipleship conference. Maybe next time I'll be able to be there in person, but I want, just wanna encourage you that uh, when the Lord Jesus told told his followers to go into all the world, teaching the nations, uh, telling them about him. And they also said to make disciples. And discipleship is a key part of being a Christian. It's something that every Christian should be involved in. So thank you for letting me share this. God bless you. And uh, I'll be praying for y'all. Well, I saw that for the first time today and uh, how thankful I was that just to remember those those challenges. After Bernard got discipled, I met another man named Eddie Henson, and Eddie Henson was an, was an electrician, and he got saved, and I remember talking to him about Christ in the middle of a barbecue restaurant, and he, I said, can I show you from the Bible? He said, do we have to do it in this, in this restaurant? Can we go to a place quieter? And I said, yeah, how about my car? And went out in the car, and he got saved. And I began meeting with him every week and going through that. It took Eddie a little longer than it took Bernard. Eddie was an electrician, and he was much, much more raw and material as far as knowing the Bible and 
took him a while to figure some things out. But, and then I met another man named Barry Angolio. And Barry, uh, he was a financial planner. And I remember going to his house on a Monday night. And I said, well, Barry, I talked to him for a while. His rose, his wife, I heard he got saved. And his kids got saved. <laughs> I remember specifically, I said, well, Barry, I said, do you know for sure if you died, you're going to heaven? He goes, nope, I'm the only person in this house going to hell. <laughs> he said, my wife says she's going to heaven. My kids say they're, she, they're going to heaven. So I guess that's the only one going to hell is me. And I said, I said, well, would you like to fix that? Would you like to learn about how you could have eternal life? And he said, you can help me? I said, I can help you. And he got saved and then began discipling him. But then God made me a pastor. And at the end, uh, I did one year of discipleship, three men. And uh, I didn't even finish Barry. Brother Bernard finished Barry. I, I, I did Barry for about five lessons, and then Bernard helped him with the other 11 lessons and helped him through that. But you know, the truth of the matter is that something got a fire in my heart and got to see some things. I went and became a pastor of First Baptist Church of Long Beach, and we didn't do all that hot of a job. I lived there for 13 years. But in English, we got to see 700 and 60 people get saved, baptized, and discipled, at least through four lessons. And I thought to myself, I saw a lot of life change in those people. And it really blessed my heart. And then, of course, coming here to First Baptist Church of Hammond, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And I want to thank you, church family, for, for coming along on the journey with us. Because there's no greater joy than to have someone that you can look across the auditorium and you can see them, you remember before you, they were ever close to the Lord and before they grew up and what happened. It's a wonderful blessing. And I want to take a few minutes tonight, if I can. I want to thank you for letting me share that story with you. But I want to take the handout you have, and I would like to just go through this lesson real quick. And then I want you to meet a few people that are in the room tonight that uh, probably five years ago, if you told them they would be sitting in this auditorium, they would have laughed you off of your porch and say, that's not going to happen. But God has changed them. And I want you to, listen to learn some stories this evening as well in just a moment. Here we go. We're looking at the discipleship acrostic. And, uh, of course, when we came here to First Baptist Church, we had these uh, discipleship lessons. And uh, you're familiar with them if you're First Baptist Church. If not, we'll learn more about those tomorrow in the program. But um, look, if you would, please, at the acrostic disciple. D, determine to disciple someone. Make a decision. You know what, Lord? I want you to use me to get somebody, help them to grow to spiritual maturity. Decide, you know, I want to make someone else's spiritual growth my personal responsibility. Um, make a decision. I want to disciple someone. Would you look at Galatians chapter 4, and verse number 19? Galatians 4, verse number 19. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you would please, brother, would you look at the next verse we have on there, if you would please? And then, Brother Moffat, you look at the next verse, if you would. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, for sake of time. Let's all read that together out loud. Are you ready? This is the Apostle Paul talking, and let's read what he says. Are you ready? My little children, whom I travail in birth again. Okay, so the first birth was their, was their second birth when they got saved. He said, but I travail another time till Christ be formed in you. And I just, I just say to you that we're not going to, to build and disciple people effectively on spare time and pocket change. Just like you won't raise good children because you want good children. You're going to have to make some investment. You're going to have to make a decision. 
I'm going to be the dad God wants me. I'm going to be the mom. And you have to say, I want to be used of God to help someone else grow. And you can do it. As I look across the auditorium, I don't see anybody that comes to my mind that I say, no, they couldn't help anybody grow. I think anybody that's saved could help someone grow. But you have to decide, I'm going to do this. You're going to have to decide. You know, it's a decision. You can wait, and you can just say, I'm just given to missions. That's all I'm going to do. Well, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to work. I'm just going to take care of my own house, my own thing. And you can do that, and that's fine. That's between you and the Lord. But I'd like to encourage and challenge all of us. Once you decide, you know what? Sometime in the next year, I'm going to help somebody grow. I'm going to disciple someone. I'm going to find somebody to sit with me 45 minutes a week and work through a Bible truth. I think people would love the opportunity to do that. I went and saw a man today that I led to Christ several weeks ago, and I arranged a meeting next Thursday to meet with him. His wife is not yet saved, but he said, I tell you, bring that book next week. Bring two of them, one for me and one for my wife, because I want her to get saved too. And maybe you can walk through that understand salvation. Well, you know, that's going to take time. But it makes a decision. Lord, with your help, I want to do that. Number two, interest yourselves in others. Philippians 2 and verse number 4. Brother James, what does it say there? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Okay. If I'm going to be an effective discipler, I must not be self-consumed. I cannot be self-centered. I've got to live outside of my comfort zone. I've got to interest myself in other people. What's good for them? Like a mother or like a dad or like a coach. Not what's best good for me. What's best for the team? What's best for the child? What's best for them? I'll have to interest myself. Of course, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So my first thought is make a decision and determine, Lord, I want you to use me. Number two, who could I disciple? And I've got to interest myself. I can't just sit in church and just wait for someone to say, will you disciple me? <laughs> it's not going to happen. I've got to say, okay, Lord, of the people I know and the people I'm meeting, who is it that you could use me to help them? And I think that would be a great idea. Number two, number three there, single out somebody to help. Single out someone that you would encourage. Think and pray about it. You know, when, you know, when Jesus came to the earth, why did he come to the earth? What was his main reason to come? Someone raise your hand and tell me. Why did he come? Yes, sir. To seek and to save that which is lost. To give his life a ransom for many. So we know why Jesus came. I think the second most important reason Jesus came is to train 12. If he had not trained 12 disciples, do you think we'd be sitting here looking at each other tonight? No. Now, he preached to thousands, to hundreds, but the masses are fickle. There are people that have heard some great messages through their life, but they're no longer walking with God. And there are people who've been disciples who don't walk with God. But Jesus knew if he was going to be effective in world conquest, he had to train some very intimately, very closely, and on purpose. And friends, if you think any of us better than Jesus, no. And it took him three and a half years. Three and a half years of his life was used to help people get it, understand what, what their role was, what their purpose was, what God wanted them to know. 
And I do believe you'll need to single out someone. And he fasted and prayed before he picked his 12 guys. I don't think we would even have been impressed with them, but he was, he loved them. And uh, he got with them and spent time. He ordained 12 that they would be with him and that he would teach them and send them forth to preach. That was his purpose. So singled out those would help. Could you read the verse right there, Josh? And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Very good. And we're talking about Aquila and Priscilla. They found a fellow named Apollos who was used of God. He was very gifted, but he was limited in what he knew. And they set him down and said, and they heard him speak, and they could say, he doesn't only knows about the baptism of John. They took him aside and discipled him. This beautiful couple took a guy, and that guy was used of God far beyond what they would be used of God because they singled out someone they could help. Everybody can do that. Look at the next one, if you would, please. Cost will be a factor. It will cost you something to, to disciple. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse number 15. Go ahead, brother Abdel. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Paul said, I've been going through some hard times, but you know what it's all about? It's not about me. It's about them. It's about you. All things are for your sake that one day we can glorify God together because of the good things he has done in our time together. That's a great thought. Look at the next verse, Brother Eddie. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 7 and 8 primarily. 7, 8, 9? Yeah, that's fine. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. He basically says in that verse of Scripture to a people, and you might remember, he was only with them in Thessalonica for three weekends. Three, three weekends, maybe as much as a month, but at least three Sabbath days he was there. And he had to leave abruptly. But he said, when I was with you, you guys know that I was like a, if you needed a nurse caring for a baby, that's how I was. I was taking care of you. If you needed a coach, I was your coach. If you needed a father, I was your father. I really, it was all about how I could help you. And oh, how discipleship, it costs something to disciple people. Let's look at the next one. Determine to disciple, interest yourselves in others, single out someone, recognize that it won't be done in your comfort zone. Uh, it, you know, it's just going to take time. And you cannot leapfrog the time and effort to help someone grow. How many can think of someone who helped you grow in those early days of your Christianity? Can you think of someone like that? Doug, who comes to your mind? Steve. Steve, his older brother, helped him grow in the Lord. Who else over here? Who comes to your mind? In the back there, Mrs. Hall. Debbie Lightfoot is... Ledford, Debbie Ledford was used of God. In Missouri? Oh, she's a sweet lady. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, sir. Dr. Dennis Streeter, before he actually was a doctor. Dennis Streeter, our, our medical doctor at our church, was instrumental in helping him in his early days of growing in the Lord. Who else comes to your mind real quick in the back there? Stan. Brother Hampton. I know Brother Hampton, and he was, of course, he's with the Lord now, but instrumental in your early days. A Marine, wasn't he? Yeah. 
Uh-huh, John. His bus captain was instrumental in helping him. You know, I think everybody has somebody that helped you grow. Because everybody, every baby needs some help. And somebody, and it wasn't easy for them to do it. It wasn't easy to take care of me when I was a little baby. It wasn't easy to take care of me when I was a new Christian. There had, someone had to teach a lesson. Someone had to love me. Someone had to care for me. Someone had to reach after me. And, and that's just the way it works. It costs must be a factor. Number, number, number next is, letter next is, intercede regularly. Philippians 1.9. Who's got that? And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He says, I'm going to pray for you that your love would abound more and more and more that you know and more decision making that you'll make. That's what Apostle Paul prayed. He said, look, I'm going to pray that your love will deepen for the Lord so much more that you'll learn more about God and you'll make better decisions with your time, your efforts, your energy as a result of my prayers. If you're going to be a good discipler, we must learn to pray for our disciples and to pray that God will bless them and help them. Look at the next one, letter P. Prepare for opposition, challenges, and disappointment. Prepare for some difficult times. And uh, let's look real quickly, if we can, please, at John 14, 9. John 14, 9. Who has that? Who's ready to go on that? Got that? We'll come back to that in just a minute. But, but this is something that if you're going to help people grow, you've got to understand in your mind, you've got to be mentally tough, and you've got to have a strong inner man. Because when you're working with people... The devil's working too. He's on the other side of the fence and he's pulling. How many have ever led someone to Christ who are doing really good and then their, their, their boss put them on weekends? Their over-aggressive Jehovah Witness aunt got excited and wanted to take them to Jehovah Witnesses. Something happens that pulls them back into the world or back into uh, family pressures and difficulties. We see that all, all the time. And you've got to expect you're going to have some difficulties, some frustrations, some challenges some opposition if you try to help someone grow. You know, when a baby is born, they don't eat anything in their mouth until they're born. Once they're born, God gives them an appetite to eat things orally. And by the way, birth changes your appetite. Whenever someone's really saved, there, there is an appetite. It can, be, it can be squashed and can be limited, but there should be an appetite if you're truly saved for spiritual things. If you really have no appetite for spiritual things, I just encourage you to make sure you're saved. Okay, but another thing that happens when we're born that's, that's very important to us is our mother gets a milk given to her. That even if a mother is not going to nurse a baby long term, every wise doctor, pediatrician, gynecologist wants that baby to get the first milk that the mother has available. Because in the first milk, they call it colostrum, there is high doses of antibodies to fight off infection that is caused by bacteria and viruses, so forth and so on. You know why? Because the devil is a master at infant fatalities. Herod, what did he do when Jesus was born? He couldn't find him. What did he do? Killed the babies. What did Pharaoh do in the Old Testament whenever uh, he was, the, the, the children of Israel were growing too much? What did he do? Killed the babies. He loves to kill babies. wonder why abortion is so... People fight to the death so they can kill babies. I wonder who's behind all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's a baby killer. But, boy, when someone gets saved, he wants to kill them. He wants to stifle them. He can't take them to hell. 
but he wants to keep them from glorifying God with their life. So somebody has to care for them. And somebody has to help them early on in their life. And someone will have to go outside their comfort zone to do that. But you're going to have to expect some difficulties. John 14. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He Jesus. He hath seen me. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Has mm-hmm. seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus was frustrated with the disciples. Can you, if you read the, the Gospels, have you ever seen how Jesus kind of might be frustrated with the disciples? Here in John 14, he says, how long I have to be with you till you recognize who I am and who my dad is? He said, I've been with you this long and you still don't get it? It frustrated him. How many have ever been frustrated with your kids? If you don't raise your hand, you're a big liar, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you're like, are you sure you're my kid? Do we adopt you? Oh, it's like, when are you going to get this? What are you thinking? How, how many of your parents ever ask you that? What are you thinking? Like, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> no, that's the, well, that's what Jesus, but you know, he, he understood that they, it took him a while to figure some things out. Peter, he said, Peter, when you're converted, you will strengthen your, ver- your brethren. But you're an idiot right now. <laughs> You're goofed up, man, I tell you. Even at the, at the night before he died, could you not tarry with me one hour? Let's get, let's get back to this. And the next thing is live it out. And that has to do with being a mentor and a model. You got to decide, you know, it's not good enough just to teach someone. You need to model Christianity. You need to live it out. Be a good example of the brethren. And, of course, Apostle Paul tells us in that. You can look that up later because of time. And then lastly, experience eternal joy. I have no greater joy than my children walk in truth. I want to I just challenge you, church family and everybody listening, those listening online, decide, you know what? I want God to use me to help someone else grow. You'll have to be a good example, but you will have a lot of joy. And I think many of you, you have good joy. You're great people. But you know, it could be even better if you have someone beside you. You have someone that you're working with. You have someone who is growing with you. In the, it, there's a great joy with that. I wonder if I can please, real quickly, uh, just introduce you to a few people that God has worked in our heart. And if I talk to you already, would you just stand up where you are and come down here to the front? We're going to take the microphone. Thank you. Those of you who I've spoken with, would you mind coming down front real quickly? I've, I've talked to most of you. I think you know who you are. And then those of you who discipled them, if you disciple them, would you come with them? That would be great, would you? I need to call your name off there. You've got them? Good. Coming to Maryland. Linda, why don't you come over here because I want to use the illustration if I can for this as well. Yeah, Brother Cowling, please come. Ramona, David, if you guys can come, that would be great. How about this? Why don't we uh, let me form a little bit of line right here on the right? That's great. Very good. Let me see if I can find a few other. Let me show some pictures to you real quickly. If I can show these pictures, this is just, um, these are just a few things of pictures. You guys got that ready from this afternoon or you need a little time? No, here's a go. This is my friend Bill right over here. This is Bill right there. And uh, Bill, we're going to learn his story in a minute. Let's keep going. Let's look on a few more if we can. This is Dave. Where's David right there? This is David right here. And David is a neighbor to the to Collins. He came to church a few weeks. I'll never forget the day he sat right over here. I said, if you're not saved, you need someone to show that with you. Raise your hand. He raised his hand. 
If you need to get saved right now, would you stand up? He stood up, walked right down here. Brother Wayne Schaefer sat right there and showed David. Do you remember that, David? Isn't that a wonderful day? It's good. It's good. We're going to talk about him in just a few moments here. Let's look at another one if we can. Is that, all you, is that what you have right there? Okay. We, we have a few others I was going to show you from that. Well, these folks, um, good, Brittany. Yeah, good. We're waiting for you. That's wonderful. I just want to meet a few people here. And, of course, the two people that got really excited about discipleship was past Brother and Mrs. Cowan. And uh, they, they'll get excited about two ants racing each other on the side of the road if you get them there. But faithful, wonderful, and uh, I love them. But they've had a burden for their neighbors for a long time. And, uh, and I think about this. I want to just say this. The first one that kind of came to discipleship, I think, was Miss Ramona. Wasn't that your first one? Yeah, Ramona's out of control, but we like her that way, and she's great. Both of these people, they own multiple businesses. They're busy as one-armed paper hangers with a rash. It's terrible, but uh, they're, they got all kinds of things going. But um, Ramona's been a neighbor, and God brought her to Jesus, and God gave her freedom. And Frida's a hard charger, isn't she, Ramona? Wonderful. And... And I want to just ask me just real quickly, Ramona, what do you, how do you feel like the discipleship helped you? Tremendously, the step-by-step. Um, when I came to Christ, Dr. Colling comes to me and he says, well, he, he came to me and, and I said, I just want to tell everybody. I want to tell everybody. And, but the UPS guy won't even come back to my house anymore. You know? <laughs> and he said, I have one word for you, Frida. And we started to meet, and it just changed everything. I, I can talk about Christ. I can lead people to Christ. It's night and day. Wonderful. And, and Ms. Frieda, you had no doubt helped other people disciple, but this is one of your first ones to do kind of systematically with our program, right? How does it help you? You always learn more when you teach. Yeah. Always. And that's a great testimony. And then Ramona and Pete and, and uh, Frida, we started praying for Bill. Because Bill was not interested in, in spiritual things. That's about accurate, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so, but he but, never gave up. Right. He never gave up. He kept, on, kept on aggravating you? Oh, yes. Okay, good. And uh, in any way, the Lord gave me a chance to talk to, uh, to, to Bill. And I'd call him and see him at the little village, uh, the safety village where he has started and founded this beautiful safety village he works in. And, and uh, visit a few times, and one day talking to him, I said, hey, you want to go to lunch? He goes, yeah, I'll go to lunch. And we begin to go through the gospel of Christ. And he, he, he said, Pastor, I might have done that before, but I feel like I need to make sure I'm saved. And he got that settled there. And then, uh, then I, I discipled him for a little bit. That was that picture that we had a while ago. And then I said, uh, I, I was kind of, kind of busy, and I knew that Pete, if he could do it. Pete, do you remember walking him through those lessons? Oh, it was great. I, he had all the lessons prepared when I got there. He had a computer printout of all the verses. And he was ready. <laughs> and uh, then Bill began to grow in the Lord, and that's a wonderful. When I think about David, David's been your neighbor for 23 years. Is that right? And uh, been there and Biden to come lots of times to church, right? And it took you a long time, huh? But uh, tell me, you went through all 20 lessons of discipleship. Can you give a quick testimony of what it means to you, what's meant to you? Well, it's meant a lot. It explained a lot. I took a lot of time with Brother Pete and Sister Frida and uh, went to their house, and they explained a lot that I didn't know. Isn't that right?
But you're glad you have someone to help you through those stages of life? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's a great help. Praise the Lord. Over here, Cindy and, and Deborah. And Deborah, what a precious girl this girl is. And we love her, love her family. So thankful. Deborah, you got saved years ago through First Baptist Church of South Holland. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And um, when, tell me about how discipleship has helped you. And I guess, Cindy, did you guys both do the discipleship all together? Okay. Was it the first person you went through the lessons with? Yes. Good. Discipleship gave me understanding of the Word of God. And I also got to spend time and get to know my friend. Yeah. And the bond. See, discipleship is not a book. It's one Christian sharing the life of Christ with another Christian. And, and how many, we all think about somebody that helped us. And for all eternity future, whenever we're spending time in heaven with Deborah, Deborah's going to be thanking God, not for salvation, but for Cindy, who walked her through and helped her grow in the Lord. We see that, that analogy is there. This is Marcella. Marcella works as an accountant in counting a, a work up in Chicago, Cicero or Burbank in Cicero. And she wrote the, she wrote the church. She got saved by watching a television program, got her salvation settled and understood here through discipleship. Her, 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 uh, she went to discipleship lessons uh, for, um, for the four lessons that are in the, the, uh, the level one. But this is kind of neat to me because I asked Linda, so Linda, who, who are some folks you discipled? And Linda discipled? Marilyn. Marilyn. And they, they met and they went through the lessons on discipleship. And then after she got Marilyn done, then Marilyn had a chance to talk with uh, Marcella. Marcella, tell us a quick thought about how that's helped you. So I asked Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to come into my life August 21st, 2021. And if it wasn't for Pastor Wilkerson, like, keeping in contact, discipleship has made me grow more in Christ. In Christ. And it's, I love it. And, and we're so glad. She's a sweet single mom that loves her little boy, loves the Lord. And you can see her. And her dad has uh, been here at church. Her siblings have come. Some of them have come, come to know Christ as their Savior. And it's a wonderful thing. We're so glad. We're so glad. Thank you for coming. Then over here, this is fun right here. And Miss Karen, this is Miss Janet and the brother Ken. And uh, Janet is uh, more uh, more known for being Don Kruger's daughter, right? <laughs> and uh, Don Kruger, he uh, he actually uh, taught Roy Moffat in high school years ago. So, but uh, where's Don? Is Don here tonight? There he is in the back over there. And we're so thankful. I had the joy to meet this sweet couple. And Janet, you got saved as a young lady. Tell us a little bit about that, would you? I was eight years old, and my mom on a Saturday asked me to go to Riverside Park, and she witnessed to me, and I'll never, I don't remember the day, but I know that was when she did it, and she told me that's the most important thing you'll do, and I never forgot that. <laughs> Isn't that great? So she got saved as an eight-year-old little girl in Riverside Park in her car with her mom, and that's a sweet testimony there, and kind of grew, grew up here, and then, and then, uh, Ken here, uh, Ken got, um, he was started dating uh, Janet, and, um, but he wasn't saved. And so Don and Brother Moffat ganged up on him, and uh, they showed up and started, and that, what happened? That's about exactly it. <laughs> they, and blindsided me. You're, you're a boiler maker, right? Yes. Yeah, he's a Purdue boiler maker, graduate. They're both retired now, but 
But uh, he was not saved, and Brother Roy and Brother Don came over and said, Ken, I want to talk to you about eternal life. And once he saw it in the Bible, uh, you said, that's a good deal, and I think I need to do that. Pretty good. And uh, he did that. And they were sitting back here in church, and I said to them, so would you consider coming to discipleship level one? And What's that? Would you you aggravated us. Yeah, that's okay. I'm good at aggravating people. Even uh, even my friend uh, Bernard remembers that. Yeah. And so I aggravated him, and he said, yeah, I'll come. And you know these guys turned in some of the best students, and they just were there, faithful, and they went through the four, le- the four lessons. And now we're working on discipleship lesson two. Do we have a picture of them by any chance up there? Okay. I think we have a picture of them, but we, Linda and I had a chance to go to their home, and I went to their home yesterday, and we went on the one on witnessing for Christ, and it was a wonderful thing. How has it helped you, Ken? Uh, it's given me more meaning and understanding of everything I'm reading, mm-hmm. and it kind of brought us closer, too, because we sit around and work Study on this together. together. Isn't that wonderful? That's a great testimony. I thank God for that. And then this is Tony, and Tony... Uh, he was saved through the, the uh, church there in, in um, Orland, Park. Orland Park. What's the name of it? I forgot. Uh, Ashburn. Ashburn Baptist Church. And, of course, some of you might know Scott Lyons. And his grandfather started and pastored that church for years. And uh, you went to the church how many years before you came to know Christ? Um, well, actually, I, I wasn't attending the church. The Sunday school teacher reached out to me. I was on one of their lists from years back, and he, he started discipling me. I got saved and joined the church. Okay. So he had a Sunday school teacher reach out to him years ago and uh, there at Ashburn. And he's an engineer and works in engineering and IT, right? IT. And um, so he was there and the Lord, their family moved over to St. John. So he started coming. And then later on, they saw Scott. And they were just having good good time to rec- rec- remember each other. And then... Uh, uh, he, I encouraged him to take the discipleship lesson. His brother, Brandon, is Brandon up here on the, on the yeah, Brandon's up here on the camera. But uh, Brandon had never really gotten into a local church wholly. He got saved as a young person, but did not get into church. And this is his first rodeo together as a local church. But these two men have been very faithful. We've had the joy to go soul winning, see people get saved. And uh, Brandon has... Um, Taken and taking gospel tracts all over his neighborhood in St. John and went and given gospels to gospel tract since coming to know the Lord and being discipled. And it's just a wonderful blessing. What has it meant to you? The one thing I liked was uh, the, the timing. Uh, when coming out here from Illinois, between my job and everything in life, um, I got into kind of a pattern of not really doing anything. Um, then going through the discipleship, it was almost like a breath of fresh air. It's uh, helped me refocus on the importance of uh, soul winning, which has been tremendous coming here. So um, since then, we've been taken, I've uh, shared it with my family, and uh, we've, I've gone through the uh, first couple of books with aunts and uncles. Um, and it's, for me, it's just helped me. Uh, to get back into it, because towards the end and with the the craziness of my job, I was starting to get into a routine. And then um, the one thing I really appreciate um, also about the discipleship is the the time to spend with somebody. Uh, We had the opportunity to spend it with you, which is just seeing it in motion, 
like has regenerated the love in my heart to want to go out and do that for others. Praise the Lord. And that's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I'm so glad we get to go to church with Tony. And every time you see on Sundays the, the audiovisual, he sits up there and does that. His brother does one of the cameras and serving the Lord faithfully as a result of growing the Lord. This is a beautiful story. This is Brittany and her and her husband, A.J., and uh, she has a little son too, right? Yes. What's his name? Antonio. Antonio. And this is a precious testimony. I'm going to let Brittany tell you this real quickly. Brittany, how did you hear about Jesus Christ? Um, well, I was working at an Indian restaurant, and um, prior to working there, uh, like a week prior, I was thinking of uh, going to a church, and my father mentioned it, and um, I used to work in healthcare, and my client, he mentioned it to me, like, um, are you going to church? And also someone that I used to go to high school with, he reached out to me on Facebook and uh, mentioned church to me. And so um, while I was working, um, I got this customer, Diane Wilson. And How many know John and Diane Wilson? They yes. now live in Alabama, but uh, they were a customer at a restaurant. Yes, yeah, so... Um, before she left, she gave me a $10 tip, but uh, what meant most important to me is when I came back around, she gave me a, a track, and um, it meant a lot to me because it brought me where I am today. Uh, uh, and you're right about the um, patience with the mentors because we I tried discipleship with um, Diane before, but it didn't work out. So um, I do give it to her for being um, kind and patient with me. Uh, it's been a journey, and uh, I'm sorry I'm at a loss for words. That's fine. No, you did, you did great. But she went through, Diane came with her. They went through the discipleship lesson level, level one, yes. and you finished that. Then she helped you through the other 16. Did you finish all of them now? She's all done, and uh, doing that, and do you feel like it helped you grow in the Lord? It did. Um, I wrote notes. <laughs> uh, okay, so... You got more notes than I have on my sermon up there. <laughs> so, um, when I decided to go back to church, I didn't know where to start. And the discipleship program is a solid foundation, and it's organized, and it's to the point, and... Um, Easy to read and understand. <laughs> um, and being disciplined in the, in the discipleship program also taught me to be disciplined in other aspects of my life. So um, it definitely carried me a long way. I used to work, walk backwards down the wrong path, but now I'm walking forward down the right path, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, a few things I do now is um, I think about God every day. I didn't used to do that, and uh, sometimes before I o even open my eyes when I wake up, I thank God for the for the morning and for the day ahead of me, and I pray with my son every night now. Amen. So, Pray for her husband. She loves her husband. He loves her, and he comes to our church often that God would work in his heart as well. I don't know about you, but there's something really blessing about a live testimony Somebody is, God is helping. And there are many more out here I could do. I want to thank all these folks who took the time to come and share their story. Would you give them a round of applause if you would? Thank you very much.